A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Hello. Hello, I'm Josh Brown. How are you doing? Hiya. Not too bad. We thought we'd do a whole um, podcast on the idea of choices in games, which kind of branches out into a whole bunch of other stuff. We've got talking points like how much different uh, choices in games affect canon, how much it affects the replayability of something, looking at re- replayability statistics, showing that most people don't even replay games in the first place. So it's like the whole idea of multiple ways to play through something hardly ever gets capitalized on on the fan side or the player side. Um, but I was going to pass this over to Benroy because this was your idea to focus on. I think it came from finishing Soulstorm. Yeah, so as I say, follow me, and you'll follow me in the, in the, the <laughs> Spiro of Abe. Uh, finished that game last night, even though I didn't really get the finished trophy, because I got not the worst ending. This, I mean, at this point, if you didn't realize, the Abe franchise has had multiple endings in a few games for, for, for decades now, right? And yeah. I got the second worst ending in that game. And it was kind of like, I didn't realize it was happening until it started washing over me because I just done the most rancid section of like <laughs> defending this thing and then like being zapped and just frustration for the past hour trying to get it done. Mm-hmm. And the cutscene sort of washed through me. I mean, then uh, a couple of characters horribly just went, ah, you're, you're gone now, mate. You're gone, dead. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then just That's nothing, no, no credits, nothing, just straight back to the menu. Just Abe looking at me on the menu, just like, with a sad face <laughs> that just went down and can i go back and if i go back do i have to do that horrible last bit of that level again so mm-hmm. i don't know so now i'm going to go back like to, i feel like to get the terrain the, the true experience of that game i've got to go back and do the get some of the karma up because i've got a few, like, you've got to get like 60 uh, not 60 like 12 out of all the levels good karma and i've got oh, about okay. eight or nine because so, i finished levels where it's been like negative karma or zero karma karma being yeah. like the statistic that's based on how many of the mudikins the fellow uh, of your species that you saved i've like missed entire paths and it said like oh it's zero karma therefore this thing is doomed and i'm like well i don't even know where i was supposed to go to find that and i'm never going to go back and do it again just because the levels are like that awkward i'm always well up for saving them and then something happens midway through the level where it's like you've got this uh this power to take over the slicks but 
it's just so awkward and you've got so many of these things that stop you from doing it to the point where they might as well just say you must do this one specific through this one specific thing here to get through or you're not getting mm-hmm. through and sometimes towards the, the like every level i feel like it's so like well well designed it looks lush and then they normally like throw a spanner in there and like really like mess it up for a lot of it like to the point where it just me. feels like you're like suffering through it and you'll never yeah, do it again i just want to be done with it and then now <laughs> that this is like, most levels have that i'm like you were doing so well and it just fell apart here. I mean, I maybe it's just me being crap, but like, it, it just, I feel like me being well keen and into this franchise, being dying for this game, and then for it to sort of like f- almost every level stab me in the side, going, ha, nah. And I'm it's because we, we said last week, and I, I mostly stick by this, like the uh, Soulstorm is this like deliberate throwback to PS1 difficulty of PS1 level design. Yeah. It is very like the originals. Um, but there is a point where, like, especially with some of the boss encounters, like there's a specific turret boss fight um, about a quarter, maybe a third of the way through. Um, that is just really weird and specific. You got to stand in this exact place to throw something and it's all really awkward. And um, at some point there's like a pivot in that game where it just gets old school annoying. And it's just, I remember when I was younger, me and my friends always had this thing where, you know, we would designate certain levels as like, I'm just glad I got through that. I'm never going to play that again. And those <laughs> are, you know, like I, I just, I suffered through that thing. I played it once and that's, that's, that one level is the reason I will not go back through it again. Like I've never played Dark Souls more than once because I refuse to fight Ornstein and Smau again. I know that's more of a boss fight, but like still, um, I don't know if you guys have that where it comes to like the idea of replayability. Um, Cause I Googled like some replayability statistics. Like it seems like most people don't replay games. Um, like even, you know, completion stats on Red Dead 2, GTA 3, Skyrim from um, PSN profiles showed that their completion is still less than 30% anyway. Like, do you guys think of like, is replayability even like an active thing? Or is it just like get through something and you're done? It used to be when I was mm-hmm. younger growing up, you know, and I had fewer games to play. Like I, I was really well into getting the games that I could replay. So I would gravitate towards things with alternate endings or branching pathways mm-hmm. because going through it, it made me excited. You know, even going through Gears of War 1, where you literally just chose whether you wanted to go on the high ground or the low ground. Like to me, that <laughs> I was like, that's, that's amazing because now I have an excuse to go back through the game and I have something slightly different to see. It didn't add too much, but it was a little bit extra and a bit of an incentive to go back to it. So when, you know, I didn't have another game to play and I just had gears looking at me. I was like, well, at least there's something new in there for me to experience. And I partly think it's why I played um, Mass Effect 1 so much. Like I've talked before about how I bought that game like eight times because I just, mm-hmm. I loved it. But also I wanted to see like the different permutations, wanted to do conversations differently, have different dynamics with the characters. So for me, it was more when I was younger and games didn't feel as big nowadays you know, I'm starting to sound like an old man here. Nowadays, <laughs> we have um, games that are like huge, right? We have like 100-hour games coming out seemingly every other month. And it's a I lot imagine anyone replaying it. Red Dead 2. That seems totally. massive. I, I Admittedly, I did replay Red Dead 2. But <laughs> that was an exception because I love that game. But The Witcher, for instance. The Witcher right. 3, one of my favorite games of all time. It took me five years to get around to replaying it and took better than five years to play it so you know originally most of those alternate choices were just kind of lost in me there was something i looked up and something i didn't appreciate until the second time around when i finally justified it so as mm-hmm. i've gotten older personally replayability has kind of gotten less of an issue and i'll find myself just looking things up on the internet after the fact but i do know that you know when i had less choice and when games weren't as big it was much more of a thing that was on my mind because i'll i'm gonna throw something out there that we talked about this before we started recording but like i don't know how much this is a, a just me thing or whether it's a widely talked about thing but like when you're playing a game and you're you're in game and you're going down a certain pathway and the level branches into like multiple different ways i hate that 
because I always like, you have to commit to one of them. So I sort of like start ambling down one side. Like, okay, does this look like it's the main path? Like, oh, this kind of seems like that's like an, oh, maybe a boss fight down there. Like, oh, that kind of seems like that. Then I go back to the yeah. branching bit and I go the other way. Oh, mm, kind of seems like maybe this is the way. And I hate that. I hate, I go back and forth. I have to commit to one of them. And sometimes there's a cutscene there. There is a boss there. And I get annoyed because I've missed whatever that little separate thing was that I should have done before I went down the main path. That always really, really annoys me, but I don't know if that's like a common thing or not. This sounds like those early levels in like the Crash Bandicoot games where they're, where they're sort of branch. That just sounds like me, like, especially on the dark ones, like, do mm. I go that way? No, I go back the other way. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, it's, it's it's never been so much, I don't mind the branching path stuff. It's always the narrative right. sort of uh, aspects to it. Like, again, what I mentioned with Abe, like I should have known at a certain point, you're just screwed unless you go back and play some of those older levels. Whereas like, me and you both went through Catherine at one point. Uh, was mm-hmm. it? All three of us have played it now. The um, uh, hundred years ago when we were playing the new edition of it, and somehow because uh, we um, Zoe used to work with us, she knew what we were doing, what paths we were going down, and I was going down. I was gonna have like the worst in <laughs> it, but somehow I managed to just go Whoop! and at the end like save myself, and mm-hmm. she couldn't believe, believe it. And you also got the the good nice and didn't you? Somehow, yeah. I mean, that's that's the kind of game that I would never replay because I remember there's a whole yeah. that's the whole other side of it as well is like what David Cage said when uh, Heavy Rain came out, and uh, I forget the exact place he said this, but he made this comment that like as uh, Ethan the character when you go down the stairs at the beginning as that character you can go to the fridge and you can drink some orange juice out the fridge and his whole point was your version of that character drank that orange juice on that morning and that was your playthrough and that's the one that you need to live with and whatever happens in that game whatever choices you make um that's how he wanted that game to be played he's like you shouldn't replay it uh, you shouldn't save scum or anything like that and i think like there's we can get back to the branching path thing too but like that's a whole in heavy rain's case in david cage's games i've lived with those decisions like i'm just like that is my version of heavy rain um you know in my version of heavy rain the killer got away i didn't finish it etc i didn't um capture him and stuff and i've kind of lived with it that way but when it's more of an action-based game there's something in there about not seeing the full product that always really annoys me Something like what you just mentioned there about like the whole David Cage thing. I, that's mm. thing that's been on my mind for a while and I'm really interested to see what you guys think about it because I remember playing through Telltale's The Walking Dead for the mm. first time, right? And, yeah. you know, that whole game was built around your choices will impact this narrative. You can impact it in massive ways. You can decide who lives, who dies and stuff. And you get to the end and you realize that is true, but a lot of it is an illusion. A lot of it yeah. is just kind of like, you know, the illusion of choice. And then you're going to ultimately the same or similar place as everyone else. And I remember going on the forums at the time. This is like, what, back in 2010? And people were like annoyed. People were like, there is not yeah. enough agency in this. This is an illusion. And I remember kind of, kind of buying into that at the time and thinking that was a knock on the game. But the older I've got, the more, and it sounds very cliche to say, the more I've appreciated the journey rather than the plot point, the, rather than like the end result, the end result of the plot. And I feel like it is perhaps a little bit reductive to say, well, these choices are an illusion. You don't really impact the story because you do. Everything you're doing in those games, every decision you're making and how you present the character or the you know the lines of dialogue that you choose even if they're not changing the plot fundamentally you're still changing how you as a person relates to the character and what you invest Mm. in the game and i've just found that much more rewarding as time goes on to kind of like appreciate that yeah these games probably aren't going to have these massive branching pathways and when they do that's cool but they don't really need to just you know only function to you know change the course of an entire narrative just little changes can add a lot of flavor and can add a lot of characterization that does make your playthrough legitimately different from someone someone else's like we've been playing through disco elysium you know mm-hmm. and ultimately that's the same detective story you know we're both 
Um, we might fail at different parts. We might not get, you know, the full story or something. We might but look we're on completely the same different. Path. We might look completely different. But it is in those like small little differences that I think it shouldn't be overlooked, you know, because they're yeah. still impactful, even if they are an illusion. Because ultimately, video games are an illusion from top to bottom, you know, it's an illusion of agency. Even in the biggest RPG, it's still the script writers, it's still the game directors, it's still the level designers who have that final say and that final control, mm -hmm. and you're just playing around in their world, if that makes sense. That um, the telltale thing that I remember when that was the case back in 2012, that like someone whoever finished it first, it was a whole big talking point that oh my god, it's not actually branching the story like massively. It's just you know it pops up and says X character will remember this or this will impact this, and by the time you got to the end, you realized that we were all served up ostensibly the, the same uh, ending. I didn't care and I still don't care because the it was convincing enough where I believed I was like I had agency in that world um, and it felt like I still got the full package I guess the it's almost genre dependent the more I start talking about it what I'm talking the thing that I was describing before about the multiple pathways that's literal physical spaces I'm moving down and I like you know I'm, I'm cutting one thing off because I'm choosing something else um, and it doesn't have that Cajun overlay feel of like these choices are the intentional part in I don't know when I do when I'm playing an action game and I pick a specific path, I feel like I I'm missing something as opposed to like I you know I, it's 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 hard to like play it in a way where I get to actually see everything. That game was the breaking point for me in that sort of like <laughs> the illusion of choice where I really enjoyed that game and everything. But ever since then, I've been like, well, if I if I can pick if someone lives or dies, they're going to be kept inconsequential and get less and less right and have less and less to do until they're just going to be murked off anyway. Yeah. So I feel like when when it comes to saving people and like. I, I, very specifically and this is like say where you've had to make choices and like say some of the latest gear stuff or resident evil 7 like you can see that they they have a one arching path for them but like with the walking dead with certain characters when you get to save them like they're not the the a tier with lee everett and um clementine everyone so they're eventually just going to like get more diluted away into the until the point where they're just in the, the background and then to the point where they die anyway i mean that's the sort of story of the walking dead where a lot of people die mm -hmm. and I, I get that but for me it just sort of like brought it down like not so, like with the with until dawn to like a letter extent like um i can't remember her name at the very beginning who the the, the character the, dies at the very beginning she's she's just really hard to save and then when you say she gets pulled like through the door or whatever it is when you're flirting and mm -hmm. and after you save her <laughs> you do a lot to, she's just sort of like there for the rest of the game and not doesn't really doing anything it's almost like she wasn't supposed to be there yeah and then you've got like say like Wolfenstein like I saved the Scottish guy so I never right. got to meet Jimi Hendrix because I because neither did I you, what if you save the young guy then you do this whole thing where Jimi Hendrix is there in that world and playing the guitar and stuff like that in like in your home or something like that so Josh yeah Brown, is this a real thing <laughs> I have wondered if I've entered a dream world right now because I can't remember this Jimmy Hendrix is in, in, in one of the in Wolfenstein two one or two of the newer ones, and depending on if you if you save the Scottish guy, you don't get him because he does he doesn't. Which I did because he's a better yeah. character. Which he's a better character, but if you save the young guy, who's a bit like who's a bit more of like a got a hick sort of tone to his voice, then yeah, uh -huh. you get to this whole thing with Jimmy Hendrix is just hanging out with all you okay. for a bit, yeah. We should, we should spin that out into like talking about um, canon and the, the idea of like when you're presented with a choice in a game. Because that's the thing at the end of Gears 5, you're, you're picking between uh, Dell or uh, JD or whatever. And in the moment, I don't know if you guys had that same feeling, like I said, where you're sort of second guessing what's, what it's actually going to 
do like it's like well one of these is going to be canon one of them's not and it's is it going to be the case where um the developers are just going to look at the player data and be like well i guess this dictates the story or whatever because that was weird because i saved the one who my friend was playing as which was dell okay uh-huh. so Ooh. i so almost this the narrative concerns almost didn't make a first wave over me and then after the consequences seconds later I'm like, oh maybe i'll have a moment to speak to them and ah, no, in the they just get put in the bin and everything else around you is collapsing like Oh, that See, I was felt, actually I felt a big sorry moment. For Marcus, so I was just like, I can't leave Marcus without his son. So I, it's going to have to be, Dell's going to have to get it. But hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Like, but again, like going forward, those, they're going to have, they clearly maybe they have two versions of the future the rest of that story if my friend wasn't playing if i was playing alone i probably would have saved it's weird because you spend so much of that game with dell but then like say uh so swerve and, and come back to like in, mm-hmm. in the resident evil one where it's either mia or zoe but i'm like well you would even would save his wife right like even right. would say the person he's come for and then like all that happens but yeah to, to the gear stuff it was the the narrative thing didn't even hit me until afterwards mm-hmm. and i think me and Josh did Dell. Is that right? And you did JD. If I remember, Josh, did you save Dell? So I think I yeah. saved Dell. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, oh, I thought because Marcus was... hasn't got his little son. But that's what I was thinking, Scott. In my son head, right? It's it's mad how Gears Five's choice in particular makes you think about the machinations of video game design. Because like Roy was saying <laughs> earlier, I think everyone has that point where they fully buy in to the idea that your choices are going to matter across an entire franchise. For mm. me, it was Mass Effect. Playing yep. Mass Effect One, I fully bought in to the promise that everything I did was going to have massive impacts on future games. And then you get those future games and you realize that ultimately it just amounts to getting an email from a character that you saved or (laughs) all the characters that you did save getting written out because like Roy said, it's too much work to try and factor in all those variables to scripts because that is so much work so you know once you learn that lesson and once you kind of become aware of the realities of video game design and how hard and how massive it is to pull that off when i got to that point in gears 5 i was literally taken out of the story and i was thinking about how the next game could play and i was thinking in this situation if i save dell i was like i love dell as a character as well like roy said we've spent a lot of time with us during that game Mm -hmm. but also 
I can maybe set up a future storyline where Marcus has to deal with the death of his son. And I was like, that's quite interesting dramatically. Maybe that will pay off. So I was almost thinking like I was a writer or like I was a game designer or a potential Gear 6 and thinking about what the juiciest um, result would be. But then also in the back of my mind, I was also thinking they're either going to have to make one of these canon or they're going to have to write around it in a way in Gear 6 where they give whoever survives a minimized role. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was wondering. I'm pretty sure when we did our podcast on it, as soon as we all finished it, that's, that's what I said then. I was like, I'm, I worry about Gear 6 now because mm. I genuinely love the story of Gears 5 and how it invested me in these characters that I couldn't have given a crap about in Gears 4, but suddenly was really interested in. And now I'm like, ah, have they in, put this choice in there? And now will it write them into you know circles going forward i think they're safe with that choice specifically because the body falls into a pit and i feel that that body is just gonna be <laughs> a, a monster for you to fight in the next game so i feel like whatever Maybe one they still can... rest you go and save him i guess so I, I reckon either way you'll be they'll be in the game but you get to fight them so i feel like that if they do make you you can either have both they that's a way they can get around it but yeah like this is as you said it's very close to like well if they don't if they don't commit fully, then the character's just going to be watered down to nothing. And mm -hmm. I didn't want that from either of those characters, especially in like a franchise where like, I want them to, as Scott said earlier, I want them to serve me the dinner and I want them to choose what's going on. I don't want to have to like sort of pick a mix. Well, so this is, this is the wider thing. It's like, do choices, branching narratives, do they serve an overall positive in video games? Because I was thinking back on like the, the big fad that was across the 2000s, like moral choices in video games was a big old thing across the 2000s. So the point where even GTA 4 had tons of just binary choices, like do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Um, and obviously quick time events kind of went alongside it. And like, are you going to push the button in time to save the character or is this thing going to happen? And I feel like, you know, we, that all that stuff's kind of like played itself out. So like, that's the, that's the crux of it for me is like, I want a artist, a set, a creative or whatever to serve me a specific story, a certain set of mechanics or whatever. Um, and depending on genre that comes through with different degrees of confidence or different degrees of execution like if it's like i said if it's an action game and it's multiple corridors then i'm just going to do an awkward stumble around until i figure out where i'm supposed to quote unquote supposed to go but if the actual intent is david cage and the intent is to give you 20 different things and what do you like disco elysium then it's like well you know how do you mold this character then all of that is the intent and it doesn't feel as awkward but i don't know if that's a weird internal um battle that only i'm doing every time i play one of these games <laughs> no i think you're right man i think that, like to an extent it depends on the game it depends on the execution it depends on the intent behind it mm. like i think there was a fad where suddenly player choice was such a thing and like throwing in branching pathways throwing in these binary choices between good and evil moral decisions like they were almost an afterthought and mm. then it wasn't really engaging you know i really like infamous but i always thought the choices there were kind of like quite cut and dry a little bit basic not really nuanced and they're funny enough as like a gimmick but mm -hmm. they're not something i can invest in but when a choice is done well i do think it gives like gaming as a medium an element that you can't get from many other True. artistic kind of endeavors you know the fact that these different choices these different outcomes can be as well written as the other i don't think it you know invalidates one being the proper one or anything like that because they're all as strong as each other and it doesn't really matter what the director intends to be canon or whatever at that point is whatever you bring to it however you've molded that journey in a way it's kind of as much yours as it is you know the developers who have crafted it because you've yeah. put so much of yourself into it you've pushed it in a certain direction of course yeah they're the overall arch architects 
But at the same time, I think that is just as valuable as, you know, a Naughty Dog game where it's like, this is the narrative. You can't change it. Here you go. You know, I feel well, like but you I think that's why, both. like, Last of Us was so impactful because they forced you to do the, to kill the, or like, you've, you've at least, you have to kill the head surgeon in Last of Us 1. You can spare the other two if you want. But the fact that they forced you into that mold, like, that helped make Last of Us' story get infinitely yeah. more elevated than yeah. GTA 4 story, for example. But then, like, say, where I feel like the choice does work is like Ghost of Tsushima, where you become, you make that character your own and then like towards mm. the end i don't I won't, I won't say the choice but i i really liked the idea of that choice and what right. am i going to do with that certain character that um have had a complicated relationship with and mm-hmm. there's one choice that i made that that's the game i'd like to see and the other one like i wouldn't be as interested in the narrative i went down that way but whereas like that was a choice that's so interesting i think because maybe it's the first game and because it is that open world malaise where you become that character and you're going around chasing foxes and all that but i don't know what do you two think about that choice compared to the other ones like kind of like the that one because it's like i uh, oh god as, as an actual choice like as an actual way that that game i was ended, more I mean, into it i was more into choosing in that world than i was into gears i, want, I wanted right. to choose for me in gears right and, and yeah, the way that Sushima wraps up for me gave me all the same feelings as The Last of Us 2, where I was I was that invested in that entire world story character, like everything. So I was just like, oh my God, this is heart-wrenching. Um, and so I I mean for me, there's one way that that that, that story goes that feels like it's what they've been building towards the entire uh run. But I guess you could do the other one. Um but I mean to flip it on its head, like would you have would you have wanted a choice at the end of Last of Us 2? Like no. to me neither. Um, based no. on how much I like Last of Us 1, but it's like, do you think that story would have been gone down totally differently if you had the choice to uh, spare Abby at the end or kill Abby at the end? I think like The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2 are good arguments for why certain things do need to be authored and taken mm. away out of the player's control to like be put on a story because, you know, the first one, especially when you kill that surgeon, like you said, it's so impactful because you, you think you're going to get a choice because this is video games and yeah. surely you have control of this character. Surely this character is an extension of you. And then Naughty Dog confirms that, no, this character's Joel. You've just been, <laughs> you know, you just had the luxury of being in his shoes for 12 hours or whatever. And he's going to do it and he's going to make you do it you know mm-hmm. but at the same time i do agree with benroy that the end of ghost of Tsushima, i thought that choice was so effective and i remember like it happening and having to put my phone down and just like racking my, my oh, controller yeah, down actually yeah putting my controller down picking up my phone to you know have a bit of a research to be like what is what have the people done like what should really? i do you like what's going in the, on in the moment i, I had to because i was just i was that taken back by it that mm. i couldn't commit to it i was too ang- i was genuinely too Oof. anxious about it that I was scared. I needed to know, like, I needed a bit of comfort blanket. I needed to, like, almost go to, like, a support group and be like, what did you do? (laughs) What did you do? Talk me through this decision. Because I thought it was, like, that powerful Mm -hmm. to the point where, yeah, it still would have been a great ending if it railroaded you down one over the other. But the fact that, you know, it gave you that choice in that moment, I think it's just, you know, having confidence in either the story you've written or having confidence in the mechanics of games and how to make game stories unique um, to make your own judgment call. You know, The Last of Us would have been worse if you had a choice at the end. Ghost of Tsushima might have been worse if you didn't have the choice, you know? So Tsushima's I think it's a always perfect, case by case. Yeah, Tsushima is a perfect middle ground because I am glad that that choice was there. It's just that one of them made thematic sense as a through line, I felt, than like the other one. Um, and especially if we're talking about canon or sequels and stuff like that, then it's like, it's, again, it all for me, it all, it all sort of makes sense if we're going to be doing like continuing that story forward. Um, but also there was one thing I was going to like posit in the middle of all this stuff as well is like, how much do you guys uh, save scum when it comes to like, oh my God, that thing went wrong. Let me reload. Let me try that again. Um, Cause 
I didn't do any of that in Disco Elysium until towards the end when some big old things started happening. And I was like, oh, that's that's an insane thing. Let me just reload and have that conversation again and see if I can steer that in a different direction. Let me, <laughs> let me just tell you that I do not play XCOM or any game like that without making sure everyone survives the entire time. And we've all had 100 <laughs> battles together and everyone's fine. I am not losing anyone. At that point, which apparently so. is not some some of the purists would say that's not the way to play. Not necessarily, I mean, but I can then see I, it. Then I just I'll block them and then, then I never hear it again. <laughs> but like for me, I can't, I can't like have the idea of like, then working someone up and I like the, I form little narratives in my head and you can mm-hmm. give them their names and you can make, give them appearances. And for me, like yeah, for for an XCOM at least anyway, I, I'm not so sure. Like I haven't played uh, Disco yet, but like I can't have anyone die. And they're going to have to stay around to the end, I'm afraid. Right. Josh, you uh, <laughs> indulge in a bit of the old save scumming. I used to more than I do now. I used to save scum mm. all the time. Like, I would do every single game, make sure I had quick saves. So if anything went wrong, anything went tits up, I could just go back, make sure that character <laughs> didn't die, make sure I got the best possible outcome. But now I've gotten older, and I suppose um, I'm enjoying games too. I'm enjoying the faults in games yeah. as much as I am my successes. Like when I was playing Disco, I was I was trying not to save scum and I did once or twice, but not on the key things. They mm. were just like kind of um throw away dice rolls on the I was gonna main... say I'll say I only I only did mine because it was like a 70% chance that it should have worked and it didn't. So I was like, no, mm-hmm. screw you, that should have gone through or whatever. So I restarted it. But then, yes. then it, I, I tried the other one and then that didn't work either. So I went back to how it should okay. have gone the first time because I was like, no, that is, a, I'm, I'm always going to be like, however the, the dice lay sort of thing is how it should go. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 sorry, I was going to say, I got a lot, of ki- a lot of people killed in Disco League. <laughs> and I think ultimately it, it just made for a perhaps more engaging situation than if I save scummed in the moment and mm. save them all, you know, because I felt like, you know, there are real losses now. There are real consequences to my actions. And it made me contemplate on the, the previous things that I'd done and how I could have done them better. And I thought, that's interesting. That's an interesting piece of reflection that I might mm-hmm. not have had if I just went, nah, load it back up, get the dice roll, win. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've never trusted games since playing um, L.A. Noir and Cole Phelps just basically <laughs> one option is, oh, you're right. The other option is launch nukes at every country in the world. So <laughs> I just sort of like, especially with like uh, The Witcher 3, where I was like, well, this is my first playthrough. I don't want to play this again for probably half a decade to a decade. And I want to have mm-hmm. like some sort of like decent experience at the end. So it's like, I try to like breadcrumb myself and save when I thought like, am I is this is this character good? And I still lost a few characters, and I didn't go into the the final sort of battle with everyone, but I had a sufficient, I had a satisfying time, and I feel like if I had no one but the key core um, group in that last sort of battle there, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. It wouldn't have felt like a more of like a, a bringing everyone together sort mm. of thing. If you know what I mean? I will say I I like when a game pulls the whole like oh actually we've been tracking you this entire time thing Um, and you get like that's obviously Witcher 3 at the end it's like an Undertale things like that where it's like oh no actually everything you did led to this and that's the they sort of retroactively reveal that there were choices along the way but you maybe didn't realize as much yeah so like yeah (laughs) praise also just got some mad endings you're like what and (laughs) like Pray one of the that was it 2017's one of the that's the best games of the year that no one played. Yeah, true. 
Scott's the This is all just passive aggressive um, argument for you to. I'll tell you what, mate. It's got, uh, it's got the old FPS boost. You can play it in a like 60 or 120. <laughs> got the HDR on. I, uh, yeah. I've re-downloaded it. It's sitting in the library. I, but I tell you what, you know, you were talking about there, Roy, about like how you just sometimes don't have time to finish. A, or if you want, to, if you finish a game, you know you're not going to play it. You just want the best possible outcome. And I yeah. do that when I feel like the story isn't like important, or I feel like I don't have much sway over it like for instance when i was playing bloodborne you need to get the three umbilical mm-hmm. cards to get the final boss and i remember finding that out beforehand and i was thinking thank god i saved scum that to hell yeah because <laughs> if i if i played that game completed it then found out there was a boss that i missed because i missed eating an umbilical card that's the entirely way. me and i just thought no i'm not i'm yeah. never doing that i'm not going to replay that whole game to find three umbilical cords no, yeah, I mean, totally. And it's like, it, it's kind of cool that it's there, but I just know me and my gaming habits that I would just, I just wouldn't have done it. Not mm. for that. I would have ended up looking it up. So didn't you do that? You did Sekiro's crazy ending as well, didn't you? I think so. I think you had I to did, go and yes. find, maybe it was Jules. You had to go find like 12 items to trigger like the true ending. There's two um, endings to Sekiro. I will I have because the- same bread, but you know. Uh-huh. I, I got the true end in Sekiro. It was called Lend It to Zoe and then Never Get It Back. And then now I don't have to play it ever again, sort of thing. That I'm just free of that game. It's gone. But yeah, like Bloodborne, I uploaded my saves to the cloud and make sure I could do see those other endings and sort of feel like I don't know if that's cheating. At the same time, like I wanted to I wanted to I mean I had much more time back then, but I just wanted to see what was going on. So you know I guess it was like an ultimate thing. It's like did it feel worthwhile going back through it, doing those extra things, or did that feel like, I, oh my god, it should have been one like one shot straight through kind of thing. Yeah, and bring it like all the way back to Abe. I'm gonna do those extra <laughs> levels to get the karma up because there's two more levels after the bad ending. So right. like there's two levels of content that I've not seen in this <laughs> game. I'm not paid for it's PS Plus, but you know, I mean I, I wanna see N- nice happy time at least in that world i want everyone to be a bit happy at the end not uh-huh. just to not just like um, imagine just it just feels like a negan moment when bow and just oh you're all, you want to die really horribly <laughs> <laughs> i think ultimately to like to bring it all full circle like the choices can't like obviously choices in video games do elevate them as like a medium and there are examples like even the retroactive like choice tracking based stuff that uh, makes games go down in history like the witcher and stuff um for me it's always going to be that all that stuff is fine i agree with all that stuff goes to sushima um as well as like a middle ground last of us being another example of when they like sort of the illusion of choice but it did go that way um but i think that i don't know i'd kind of like throw it down in the comments like is it like based on genre do choices stand out as being more of a negative um or do you just want the game to be like the get the full package the whole time first time through um for now this has been the what culture gaming podcast i've been your host scott tailford joined by ben roy turner i'm gonna say goodbye <laughs> you can say goodbye and josh brown goodbye we'll catch you next time bye-bye Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. 
AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.